You will find the reading on page 41 in the Green Bibles. It's Genesis chapter 39, and I'm going to read the whole of the chapter, starting at verse 1. So Genesis chapter 39 on page 41 in the Green Bible. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph 
and gave him success in whatever he did. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. Uh, as you probably know, the vicar Tim's away on holiday at the moment, so I'm one of uh, a small band of people who are standing in for him and giving a series of talks about Joseph's life. If you were here last week, you, you heard Giles Jennings begin to outline Joseph's life. And um, there are two more people coming after me. Next week, if you're here, you'll hear Steve Wright talking on the, the next phase of Joseph's life and then rounding it off uh, the last week in August will be Nick Priestley. And when Carrie was organizing us to do this, for some reason, she called us to four musketeers. So I'm going to use that as a cue for my short prayer here. Lord, uh, I pray that as we talk about Joseph's life, we will all be speaking for you, Lord. And that when we all talk for us, you will be the one who speaks through all of us. So in other words, Lord, I pray that we will be all for one and one for all. Amen. Now, I hope you were listening carefully. Wait a minute, I'm going to ask. Who likes chocolates? Okay, not a bad response. If you were listening carefully, you can earn yourself a chocolate during this talk because I'm going to use the age-old trick of buying your attention by dropping questions into my talk as I go along. So firstly, let's have a little recap on what we discovered last week. You might have to flick back in your Bibles if you weren't here. But who can answer the first question, which was, who was Joseph's father? Okay, I've got an answer over here. Who was Joseph's father? Well done. You like the soft centers or the hard centers? Okay. Next question. We'll have a few questions to get us going. How many brothers did Joseph have? Okay, that's a bit tricky. Who's... Eleven, well done. You didn't even have to look it up. I'm impressed. He had 11 brothers. And the next question for you to think about is how many sisters did he have? What? One? Who said one? No, he did have a sister. So, no, you can't have that. I get that then. I'll keep that for me because I've told you the answer. Um, who was Joseph's mother? Up the back there. There must be some people who know the answer. Who was it? Who was Joseph's mother, Cherie? No? Who said Rachel? Okay, they're earning loads. Now. You better start working harder up the back if you want to earn sweets. The questions get easier, so don't worry. Joseph was the favorite of his father, and uh, only Benjamin had the same mother. Uh, they were both, Rachel was the, the mother for both of them. And... Um, he boasted about his dreams to his brothers, if you remember last week. He was um, a rather precocious and spoilt child, and he made his brothers extremely jealous. They plotted to get rid of him. Do you remember what happened in the story? He narrowly escaped death. It was only two of his brothers, Reuben and Judah, who thought better of it and effectively saved his life, persuaded the other brothers to sell him to a group of Midianites, and they took him down to Egypt to be sold as a slave. Um, you remember his uh, precious coat, the coat that his father gave him. Okay, here's another question. What color was Joseph's coat? Anyone? Multicolored. Multicolored, Jenny gets the answer. Yeah, Joseph had a multicolored coat, or actually it's described in the Bible as an embroidered coat. And 
the brothers, to fool his father about what had happened, dipped his coat in the blood of a goat, showed it to Jacob, and Jacob thought that Joseph had been murdered by a wild animal. He was deeply upset, he was mortified, and he began a mourning that lasted almost till the end of his days. Well, that's where we take up the story today in today's reading. Were you listening to today's reading? Here's another question about today's reading now, so anybody should be able to answer this. Who was with Joseph when he arrived in Egypt? The Lord. Yes. <laughs> You're doing very well. You're not doing very well at the back there, so I'm going to give some questions just for the people at the back. This is just for people who are past halfway. Who was he sold to when he arrived in Egypt? Look in the Bible if you don't know. Okay, one at the back. Potiphar is right. He was sold to Potiphar into slavery. More questions coming up in a minute. Um, as we heard when Judith read, Joseph was a big success as Potiphar's servant. And he prospered, and so did Potiphar. And so he promoted Joseph. Now, who was behind Joseph's success? The Lord. You've had one already. No way. You answer the question, you get the prize. You know, temptation came into Joseph's life. We heard in the reading, the Bible says that Joseph was a very handsome young man, and Potiphar's wife wanted him to be her lover. She kept pestering him, but Joseph kept on saying no, and he wouldn't be her lover. He said it would be a sin. A sin against who? Yes. In a scene which is, uh, I think, as vivid as a modern soap opera, Potiphar's wife gives a grab at Joseph. We heard uh, Judith read it out. Grabs at him one day, and she gets his cloak in her hand. And he runs off, leaving just his cloak. The husband comes home, and in her anger, she accuses Joseph of attacking her. Of course, that's not how it happened. Potiphar was livid when he heard this story. And what did he do to Joseph? What's that's the next question? What did he do to Joseph, Steve? Sent him to prison. Quite right. They're easy questions, aren't they, don't you think? So Joseph was back at the bottom of the pile. He was sent to prison for something that he didn't do. And actually, as we read on in the Bible, we find he spent two years in prison for something he didn't do. Just think about how that would feel if it happened to you. That's extremely unfair, isn't it? That's totally unjust. That's utterly unreasonable. And yet, somebody was with Joseph when he was in the prison. Who I haven't asked the question yet. Well done. It was the Lord, of course. The Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord helped Joseph to do the same thing all over again. He made the best of his misfortunes, exactly as he had when his brothers had... had uh, plotted against him previously. He built on his misfortunes, and as we see at the end of the chapter, I'm going to read this one out of the message, if you don't mind. Hold on. At the end of chapter 39 that Judith read, the head jailer gave Joseph free reign, never even checking on him, because God was with him, and whatever he did, God made sure it worked out for the best. 
For God was truly working in Joseph's life. So Joseph was very lucky, wasn't he? Do you think it was luck? Uh, do you think he, as they say in modern parlance, do you think he made his own luck? Do you think he had a really positive attitude? What do you think it was? You can answer these questions if you like and then sweets, but they're rhetorical questions really because it wasn't luck. It wasn't. The, the reason things turned out right for him was that God, as we heard in the answer to about six questions in a row there, God was on his side. When things weren't going well for him, when things, I mean, when things did go well for him, he didn't take the credit himself. He gave it to, who did he give it to? At the back, at the back. The Lord. Excellent. There we are. Thank you. Take two by mistake. It's worth two, that answer. And when he was at his lowest ebb, at the time when he was sold into slavery, or when he was thrown into prison, who was with him in prison? It's another question. The Lord. Who answered it? Okay. So that is the message for this story, isn't it? Is that the message for, for each of us in this story? Joseph was greatly revered after his death by the Israelites. In fact, um, he died in Egypt many years later. Um, and we read that when Moses led the Israelites back to the promised land, I'll read you a little bit out of Exodus. Uh, chapter 13. You don't need to look this up, but it's in chapter 13, verse... 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. And later on in Joshua, in verse 24 of Joshua, right at the end of the story of the uh, Israelites coming back to their promised land, and the people said to Joshua, no, I'm reading the wrong verse. Verse 32. And Joseph's bones, which Israelites had brought from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. So you see, they revered him so much that even after he was dead, even after they wandered in the wilderness for many years, they took his bones with him, presumably in an Egyptian sarcophagus that they were buried with, but they thought he was important enough to do that even after he was dead. So he was a very important person for them. And I suggest that the message of, Joseph, the message of Joseph's life is that God is at work in the lives of all believers. And let's just have a look at a little passage in the New Testament, which I think backs this up. I'm going to read you a passage from uh, St. Paul in Romans chapter 8. If you want to look it up, it's uh, on page uh, 1073. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So that same message echoes right through the Old Testament and the New Testament, that if God is on the side of believers, he's the one who makes it work for them. <clears throat> so how do we do this? How do we recognize that um, 
God being in charge of our lives in the good times and especially in the bad or evil times is the way we live. Well, I found a, a picture of this which I, I think uh, helps somewhat using Joseph's coat as an analogy. Do you remember Joseph's coat, which was, what color was it? Mel, okay, you'll all get a sweet in a minute. Remember Joseph's multicolored coat. Uh, the Bible tells us that it was richly ornamented, or uh, in another translation it says elaborately embroidered. So maybe it was a sort of woven coat. You know how weaving works. It's got a, a good side and a bad side. It's something that you make over a period of time. Often you make it by hand. And I found a, a sort of analogy for a way we can live our lives in this poem. It's by Grant Tuller, and it's called My Life is But a Weaving. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I do not choose the colors. He worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle ceases to fly will God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the skillful weaver's hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. And just on that same subject, I think we should have one last quote from our leader, Jesus Christ. And he's talking in uh, chapter 6 of the Gospel of Matthew. Actually, I'm going to read this one out of the message. Jesus said, uh, this is during the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus talking to the people who are sitting around him listening. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, not be so preoccupied with getting, so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to God, in, to what God is doing right now, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Amen. So I've got two last questions. Like Joseph in Genesis, who should we give credit to when we succeed in life? Thank you, you get sweet each. One more question. Like Joseph in Genesis 39, who should we rely on when we fail or when we have troubles? Okay. You've all got the question right. So, <laughs> pass them along, please. Make sure everybody gets a seat. Pass them along. Thank you.
Thank you, Colin. Thank you. Um, we now come to our final hymn. We're going to sing Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. And during the singing of this hymn, we will take uh, our collection. Please, if you're a visitor here, don't feel in any way obliged to give to the collection. We're just delighted that you've been with us. And please do stay for tea or coffee at the end of the service and uh, do chat to us. The, the bags will be passed around. And then after that, we will have two final prayers, a prayer of thanks for the gifts that will be collected and a prayer of blessing as we go on our way. So do stand and we sing together, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Love divine, all love's excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, Thou art all compassion, pure unbounded love Thou art. Visit us with Thy salvation, enter every trembling heart. Breathe, oh, breathe thy loving spirit into every troubled breast. Let us all in thee inherit. Let us find thy promised rest. Take away the love of sinning, how for an omega bit, and our faith as its beginning, set our hearts at liberty. Come, Almighty, to deliver, let us all thy grace receive. Suddenly return and never, never more thy temples leave. There we would be always blessing, serve thee as thy host above. Pray and praise thee without ceasing glory. In
like love Finish then thy new creation Pure and spotless let us be Let us see thy great salvation Perfectly restored in thee Change from glory into glory Till in heaven we take our place Till we cast our crowns before thee Lost in wonder, love and praise. Lord, all things come from you, and what we give here and in other ways to this church is yours. We ask you to bless these gifts and the work that they allow us to do for your glory. Amen. Please sit or kneel for our closing prayer. May the love of the Lord Jesus draw you to himself. The power of the Lord Jesus strengthen you in his service. The joy of the Lord Jesus fills